You know, I doubt if there's any individual in all of biblical history that is more widely recognized or revered than Abraham. Abraham is the patriarch to history's three great monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. He is a man of incredible faith. Matter of fact, at a point in Genesis, he is called the friend of God. You learned about Abraham in your Sunday school lessons. I'm sure when you were growing up, whether it was children's church or in youth, you talked about Abraham or Abram as he was first known, later changed to Abraham. You know how God called him from his ancestral home. Matter of fact, that's the first sermon I ever preached here at Centenary United Methodist Church some 19 months ago. The calling of God to leave where it is familiar, what is commonplace, and go to some place that is new and different. Leave your country, God says, your people in your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abram pulls up stakes, packs everybody up, lock, stock, and barrel, and journeys from one end of the known world to the other, all because God told him to do it. But God is not finished with Abram. Not long after that journey begins, a famine arises in the land of Canaan. And Abram, despite his great faith in God, is worried about all these people that he's brought with him. He fears starvation, and so he heads to Egypt. But before he reaches the borders of Egypt, he and Sarai come up with a plan. Because he is afraid that if they find out that he and Sarai are married... Sarai will be taken off and he will be killed. And so he comes up with a plan that they're brother and sister. And so they arrived, and sure enough, Sarai must be a real good looker because the Pharaoh is smitten with her. He wants to bring her into his house. He likes Sarai so much that he's willing to pay Abram a whole bunch of money. Not gold and silver, but camels and donkeys and cattle, men's service and maidservants. But as soon as Pharaoh brings Sarai into his household, all sorts of disasters start to befall his household. And suddenly they experience things they've never experienced before until they dig into it a little deeper and they find out, lo and behold, Sarai and Abram are married. Pharaoh says, why did you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that? And he kicks them out of their household, his household. They leave with their lives, but they also leave with all the wealth that Pharaoh has given them. He just wants to get them out of there. There are other stories throughout Genesis that talk about Abram. Some of them you know, some of them perhaps you don't. The example of his generosity when there is a land dispute between his family and the family of his nephew Lot. And Abram decides to give Lot the first choice of the land, and he is simply content with whatever is left over. Lot gets the good land, and Abram gets the desolate land, but God is not finished with Abram.
Later on, there are five local kings who band together in alliance. And in the process of the skirmish, Abraham's nephew, Lot, is captured. And when Abram finds this out, he hastily puts together a little mini-army. He dashes off into battle and quickly routes the enemy and rescues Lot and everyone in Lot's household. But God is not finished with Abram. We know of Abram's compassion because Abram goes before God when he learns that God has planned to destroy Lot's hometown, Sodom. Abram intercedes on the city's behalf. Matter of fact, he argues with God to save Lot's neighbors even though they are so sinful. But God is not finished with Abram. Throughout all of this, Abram has struggled with his faith. Even though he is a man of great faith, there is doubt and worry that creeps into his head. Because God has told him that he will be the father of a great nation. But he has no offspring. He has no kids. And he is very worried. And then God comes to Abram in a vision to reaffirm the promise that God has already given him given him, now through sacrifice. He has Abram gather up animals, and as known in the Old Testament, they were slaughtered, they were split in half, they were laid out over the fire as a sacrifice. And God is using the sacrifice to say that, may I be cut in two like these animals if I fail to keep my promise to you. Abram hears, but God is still not finished. Abram, like so many of us, is anxious. Matter of fact, he believes that his way is the right way, so he's going to take this situation in his own hands. He's going to find a solution because trusting God is risky business sometimes. Hagar, the maidservant that the Pharaoh gave them in Egypt, becomes pregnant. And it wasn't immaculate, I can, can tell you that much. Abram is involved because she bears Abram's offspring. Sarai is upset, so upset that she treats Hagar terribly and causes the young maidservant to leave until an angel of the Lord sees Hagar's predicament, sees her distress in the middle of the wilderness, and goes to her and tells, return. Return to Abram and Sarai and have that baby. And let me assure you that God will bless that child. Sarai comes back. The child is born. Abram has an heir. His name is Ishmael. But God, God is not finished with Abram. Even though he has an heir now, there is tension in the family. Sarai doesn't like what's happened. So God comes to his hero again. Abram is 99 years old. And God comes with a second covenant. This is my covenant with you. That which we have already read. You will no longer be called Abram, but instead you will be called Abraham, exalted father. And I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come of you. And then God 
drops the proverbial bombshell. As for Sarai, she shall no longer be called Sarai, but instead Sarah, which comes from the root Hebrew word of princess. Sarah would become the princess of many. And God says, I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. God was telling Abraham now, I am neither done with you, nor am I done with Sarah yet. Abraham is a hundred years old. Sarah is 90 when Isaac is born. It is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that he would have an offspring. And from that offspring would come people numerous as the stars in the sky, numerous as the sands on the beach, And yet, even now, God is not finished with Abram. Even as Abram in this passage pleads with God that Ishmael, the firstborn, should be the favored one, God tells him, no, no, my covenant will be with Isaac. Ishmael will be blessed. He will be sent away, the father of a great nation. But I will make my covenant with Isaac. And still, God is not finished with Abraham. God calls Abraham to take his teenage son Isaac to a mountain and to sacrifice him. The boy that he has waited so long for that has finally come into his life, God puts him to the final test. Sacrifice him. And Abraham, out of obedience, takes the child to the mountain. He prepares to sacrifice him. The knife poised above his shoulder, ready to be in until God stops it. And you know the story. The boy is spared, and there is a ram caught in the nearby thicket, and the ram is taken and sacrificed instead. And Abraham passes this strange test by God. A test of obedience a test of trust. Sarah dies at the age of 127. Abraham remarries at 140 and has at least a half a dozen more children. He dies at 175. And we are told in Genesis he was old and full of years. God may have been finished with him in this life, but I wonder if Abraham still doesn't have things to do in the heavenly realm because God is never really finished. Through all the ups and downs, God has been waiting on Abraham's obedience just as he waits on our obedience. And none of us like waiting, do we? No, that's why fast food is so unpopular. Shoom! Two Big Macs, cheeseburger, large Coke. Let's go. Sometimes we even eat it before we leave the fast food restaurant parking lot because we don't like to wait. Sometimes we grow impatient with God. But this story and these series of stories reminds me that God is always faithful to His promises. We shall all be rewarded if we do not grow weary and we continue to trust in Him. 
Our timetable is not the same as God's timetable. Never has been. Never will be. And God's promises, though they may be delayed, they will never be denied. May be delayed, but never denied. And God's purposes, His divine purposes, are bigger than anything that we could possibly imagine or envision. How different was Abraham and Sarah than you and I? They had dreams. They had dreams about their lives and what they would do and where they would live and the kind of family they would have. They had dreams about children and grandchildren. Dreams that almost went south. Dreams that they almost missed out on. However, as you sit here today at Centenary United Methodist Church, think about Abraham and Sarah. Could they imagine that today, thousands of years later, we would be talking about their story? about the dreams that they had, and about the trust they placed in God? Not only that, can you imagine Abraham and Sarah thinking about the billions of Christians and almost as many Muslims and Jews that come from the offspring, the covenant that God gave Abraham? Can you imagine the effect that they had on all of us sitting here? Because God said, trust me. And trust my truth. Sometimes we have a difficult time seeing God's grander purpose in this world. But if it wasn't for this elderly couple and the covenant they had with God, where would we be? You and I probably think too small. We've got very small, finite brains, so we think really small. We have a difficult time imagining what we can do with God in our lives, really letting Him into our lives, really letting Him take control, really believing in Him and trusting in His truth. We like to put God in a box, you know? That way we can control Him. That way we can understand Him. That way God serves us instead of us serving God. We put Him in a box so we can rationalize the outcome of what God can and cannot do. Let me tell you a story, a true story, a story about what happens when you're faithful to God, you believe in Him, and you trust in His truth, and let go. 1858, a Sunday school teacher in Chicago by the name of Ezra Kimbrell became very interested in the spiritual welfare of a young shoe clerk in town. And after debating with himself, Kimball decided to walk down to that shoe store, Holton's Shoe Store, where the young man worked. And he walked back and forth out front, trying to garner the courage and the strength to go inside and to witness about Jesus Christ. And he finally went in, finding the young man back in the stockroom, putting shoes on the shelves. And Kimball proceeded to talk to the young man and shared his faith with him. And that young shoe clerk found so much interest in what he said that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. His name, Dwight L. Moody. He became the greatest Christian evangelist of his day, but that was just the beginning because God is never finished. 
Dwight L. Moody, that young shoe clerk, preached a crusade in England in 1879. And he awakened the heart of one Frederick B. Mayer. Meyer. He was a pastor, small church. But Meyer was so touched by what Moody had to say that he became a renowned theologian. In fact, at a later date, Meyer was preaching in Moody's own church in Massachusetts. He was preaching hard, and there was a young man on the back row who heard what Meyer had to say. If you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? Let me say that again. If you're not willing to give everything to Jesus Christ, are you willing to be made willing? That young man was touched by those words. Transformed. His name was J. Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman became a YMCA worker who recruited young men for the ministry. And out of all the young men he recruited, at one point he recruited a professional baseball player, a remarkable figure by the name of Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday became the greatest evangelist of his generation. And later on in a revival in Charlotte, Billy Sunday was preaching. And there were a group of men who had gathered together in a prayer circle. They wanted to keep Billy Sunday's revival going on. They wanted to keep the Holy Spirit there in Charlotte. So they decided they'd go out and engage another evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham came in after Billy Sunday had preached, and he started preaching. And during that revival of Mordecai Ham, there was a young man once again on the back row who was touched by everything that Mordecai Ham said. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. The name of the young man, Billy Graham. Do you think that Sunday school teacher 150 years before finding the courage to share his faith could ever imagine what would have happened that one day sharing and testifying for Jesus Christ millions of lives would be changed through Dwight L. Moody, Frederick Meyer, Wilbur Chapman, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, Billy Graham, and the countless thousands that have heard Billy Graham preach. You and I think way too small. God has imagined greater things for your life and my life than we can ever possibly envision if we will simply trust Him, trust Him, and follow His truth. God's purposes are certainly greater than anything we can envision. And there's only one thing I really want you to take away today more than anything else from these stories about Abraham, and that is we need to trust in His truth. We need to trust in His truth. You know, we live in a world where truth is kind of like a ping pong ball. It's back and forth across the table. It's different every day. Truth is either under attack or it's changing. We are a culture that is fascinated by new truths or at least new ways of looking at truth. Many people cling to postmodernistic views that simply affirm that there's really no particular truth. And some people take the worldview of pluralism. 
which says that all truths are equally valid. Others adhere to the philosophy of relativism, which says that all truth is just simply relative. There's no such thing as absolute truth. And then there are others that will throw you a biscuit and say, well, there is absolute truth, but it only applies to science. It never applies to faith or religion. How easy it is to think that we've learned the truth one day only to wake up the next and find the truth completely different. But in Abraham's life as in your lives, God has already revealed the truth. God has already revealed to you the absolute truth by which to live. Who among you can ever fathom the doctrine of grace? Who among you can ever explain the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross? I believe that just like Abraham, God expects us to be working in our lives, expanding and expounding His truth. Not our truth. His truth. And the more that I study the life of Abraham, the more I see that it is a relationship that continues to grow each and every day. Abraham learns more and more about God, and he becomes in a deeper and a deeper understanding of who God is and what God wants. He draws nearer and nearer to God, almost in the form of intimacy. I've already shared to you, he's the only person that's ever been called the friend of God. You and I cannot have a static relationship with God. Not if we are truly born again. God's simply not going to allow that to happen. He may allow you to fail just like He allowed Abraham to fail. He might be quiet in your lives for a while, but He's not going to be quiet forever. Our relationship with God should be dynamic. It should be evolving. It should be vibrant. But the only way we get there is to trust in the truth of God. To embrace His truth and to live into that truth. So many in this world will say, God, I already got a plan and I already know what the truth is. You hear that? You hear that? That's God's silence at our arrogance because God has the only real plan. God has the only real truth. And He's not finished. He's not finished with one of us. Not yet. Would you bow your heads with me, please?